Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. Uh, Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministries to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach the men in, in today's culture. Uh, it's discussing issues that men face every day. Uh, this is a program basically where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hi, I'm Mike Sandlin with Cape Fear Men, and I thank you for joining us today on this broadcast. This past year, uh, working in ministries to men has been uh, probably, uh, we have probably seen an increase in men struggling with issues uh, throughout their life in various areas. And one of those areas, of course, is, has been sexual integrity. And over a decade ago, I remember uh, Chuck Swindoll made this comment about sexual integrity is the number one secret sin in our churches uh, at that time. And I'm sure it probably still is today. Well, today I have with me as my guest, Dan Wapshaw of Bro uh, Be Broken Ministries, a ministry that helps men work through sexual integrity uh, struggles. Uh, but before we start our conversation, let me share a little bit about it. I mean, Dan and I met about two, I don't know, three years ago or something like that down in the Eyes High Conference in uh, Lakeland, Florida. And Dan is the director of Be Broken uh, Gateway to Freedom Workshop for Men. Uh, these are weekend workshops that are transformational for men who are seeking and, and needing help from any kind of sexual struggles or, or strongholds in their lives. He has a, a significant experience of one-on-one -on -one mentoring and speaks nationally on sexual integrity and discipleship. And of course, he does a lot of writing too for multiple websites uh, in his ministry also. Dan has three daughters, and, and I guess I can currently say he lives in Orlando, Florida uh, with his wife, Julie, but they're in the process of moving to Texas in the next few weeks, so he's moving halfway across the country. But Dan, I do appreciate you joining me with taking time out of your busy schedule and getting all those boxes packed to uh, spend some time with us today. appreciate it, man. It is a pleasure to be here, and yes, I'm doing the best I can to hide those boxes that are packed <laughs> behind us here, so nobody has to look at the mess we're making as we uh, we get out. It's it's great to be with you, Mike. Thanks for the invitation. Yeah. Moving can be exciting, but it can be also very uh, tough and stressful time. I know I've moved a few times myself in my in my lifetime, and, and it, it, it can be exciting, but it also can be, um, you're, you're glad when it's done, <laughs> so to speak. That's so right. anyway, well, uh, Dan, there's a couple of questions I always like to ask my guests before we actually get started into the meat of our discussion of, of, of what your background and expertise is in. But I like to ask my guests, um, number one is, a verse that maybe uh, God is using right now to speak into your life, or maybe a special verse that's always been very special to you in your life, and why that verse is so so meaningful to you. Would you mind sharing with us that? Yeah, there's a uh, <clears throat> there's a couple of verses, Mike, that that come to mind, and but one of them that continually sticks out for me is from Galatians one ten, and uh, this may be a, a mild paraphrase, but it's it's what comes to mind when I think of it as is, is uh, Paul's writing to the Galatians, and, and he says, who are you trying to please, God or man? Mm. For if you're trying to please man, you cannot be a servant of God. And it's in that piece of scripture that I, f I find challenge and encouragement, because part of the nature of me that was broken just from my past um, is wanting to be a people pleaser because I never felt like I was enough. So I still have that tendency to try to be a people pleaser. And so many times 
it's gotten in the way of me hearing God and then serving him, especially in ministry, but as a, as a husband, a dad, and now a granddad, which is quite literally why we're moving halfway across the country. Our grandson moved, so guess where our grandma go. But, <laughs> um, but that's why that verse speaks to me, is that, and I'm sure I'm not the only guy in the planet with that battle, right? We, but mm-hmm. that's why that verse is so important to me, is it's a reminder that I have I have an audience of one to please, ultimately. Yep, that's true. That's true. Well, t- tell us about your experience of coming to Christ. Uh, I know all every man has a story in that area. Mm-hmm. Some, some I've heard stories of men coming to Christ at a very young age. Some, and some almost when they were senior citizens or older, and and various avenues of how uh, God tapped into their lives and 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 uh, and pierced their hearts into a, a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Could you uh, share with that us a little bit? Give us the reader digest version, so to speak. <laughs> Yeah, and it'll need to be. Uh, there's a lot of years uh, behind there. So uh, quick background of my family. Grew up in a, in a household where both mom and dad were present my entire life. Um, they were married 60, almost 62 years before my wow. dad passed. Uh, and that's the reason that I didn't have a mom and dad together at the same time as my dad passed away. Mm-hmm. Um, grew up going to church. Uh, as, a, as a child, it was really not a question of whether I was going to go, I was going to go. Um, so I grew up going to church every Sunday. But at age 12, I came across pornography for the first time. And I wasn't looking for it, but I found it. It was in our home. Um, you know, and in that moment, the the part of a 12-year-old that is awakened no 12 year old is ready for that and that was my emotional connection to sexuality and sexuality itself so it was that instant recognition of i shouldn't be looking at this but i don't want to quit so now connect that to uh, a 12 13 14 growing 15 16 year old who was bullied uh in school uh partially because one of my brothers was in law enforcement so I, I received a lot of picking on because of that. Um, I was not the most athletic kid. I was skinny and kind of clumsy and all of that. So I endured some, some picking on. And this is a part of sharing my story I struggle with, and I'm sure other guys do based on conversations I've had. We're told to honor our father and mother in scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and every time I share my testimony, my heart is to do that uh, rightly while telling the truth. Um, My dad never said the words, I love you to me. I know he did, but I never heard them. Mm -hmm. What I did hear one or two times or maybe more that really stuck that for a long time overrode some of the good things he did for me. And he did a plenty of of good things. He taught me a lot of good things, how to res- respect your elders. You respect authority. You, you respect people by knowing their name and things like this. Um, the words when I messed up, like, uh, why do you have to be so stupid? It personalized it. And as, as a little boy, that stung. And there were a variety of other circumstances from the first time I heard that as, as a 10 or 11 year old that I remember hearing it, they just were reinforced by the bullying and various things that took yeah. place in life. Yeah. So that, that pornography discovery and then the masturbation and everything that came with it, all kinds of other behaviors, strip clubs, you name it, as I became an adult, 
for all that emotional woundedness, I carried all that woundedness into my adulthood, into marriage, and that pornography was now my medication of choice right. for all the struggles. I was in public safety for 32 years as an EMT, as a 911 dispatcher, and a part-time law enforcement officer. So I experienced a little stress in my life, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and like too many men, instead of talking about that to the people we should be, uh, I, I was going to pornography. Now understand, I didn't have a saving relationship with Christ well into my late 30s. So I was head knowledge of God, head knowledge of Jesus, but it had never made the transition. Let's fast forward to 2003, married 19 years, and we have three girls. My wife discovered my browsing history on the computer because I had given her reason to question, why is he up at three in the morning mm -hmm. instead of in bed with me? And I'd been deceiving her for 19 years about who this other guy really was that she didn't really know much about. I'd done a pretty good job of putting forth the spit polished image, public servant guy. Right. But this other, this other man, she'd never really met until she discovered it. Our world imploded. All the, the promises I made to her at the altar were now lies. Um, she was married previously and it, it ended from abuse. So all the promises I made to never hurt her again in that way were all now lies. And that was in 2003. It was, it was, um, shortly after that, that God decided I needed a break from EMS because I was now in deep depression. I had a suicidal plan that got interrupted. I was headed for a tree with my car and he found a way to stop me. And it was after that in a moment following a Christian concert that I, I was able to attend and actually help with um, that I met Jesus. Mm. A Monday morning on my couch at home after my wife had gone to, to work and the kids were in school, um, I sat on the couch and I listened to two songs from this CD that this group had performed the night before over and over and over. One that we're all probably familiar with, Holy, Holy, Holy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Who, who of us doesn't know that song? Oh, and yeah. then an, another one that's not quite as well-known some folks my age and older in, in our generation will get it, but shine on us. Mm -hmm. Not a real common hymn, but some of us know it. Mm -hmm. And it was in that moment on that, that Monday morning around 10 o'clock that all the weight of everything that had happened just came down on me. Mm -hmm. And my heart broke. And I simply but profoundly begged God to take this mess of a life from me because I couldn't carry it anymore. I had made so much of a mess. I'd hurt so deeply my wife. My children, especially our oldest, were wondering if mom and dad were going to survive. A marriage was going to survive, and they were going to lose their dad. So many fears. My wife seeing dreams of a long marriage and and some form of retirement, all those things are literally starting to crumble before my family. Mm -hmm. But it was in that moment of giving my life over to Christ that he began to rebuild 
all the desires for the strip clubs, the drinking and the foul language and the jokes and everything that came along with it, literally in a moment, he turned off. Mm -hmm. But to this day, I have to be on guard for the pull of pornography under the right circumstances. I, you know, I kind of looked at myself for a while with some self-pity, but now it's just how God is sovereign. It was like Paul was told, you're great. My grace, Paul's enough for you. You're going you're gonna to have a messenger that's going to remind you so that you don't get arrogant. Mm -hmm. And that's the message I got from God after about five or six arguments with him. Yeah. <laughs> you, don't, I literally, you don't win those arguments. <laughs> yeah, no. And, and it was in that moment that day I said, okay, I get it. Your grace is enough. But since that time, Mike, what God has done is he not only restored my life, my physical life, my mental and emotional health, but he restored a marriage and he didn't restore it. He grew it to places I didn't know was possible. All three of our daughters gave their life to Christ within a short period of time after I did. We changed congregations, a congregation that said, we know you, we love you, bring your brokenness and let us help you grow and heal as a family. And it was in that church in 2011, after a lot of healing, where I heard the voice of God in a time, in a sense, say now, Go tell your story. Mm. And that's where my launch into men's ministry began in 2011, hearing and sensing the voice of the spirit that I now recognize, saying, Dan, it's time to go tell your story. And what he was saying is tell my story right. of right. your life. And um, and that's where it launched. I, and it, it started with an NCMM conference. And uh, I met a guy by the name of Sam Black and other men's ministry leaders who right. encouraged, encouraged me along the way to say, keep fighting, keep sharing. Uh, in 2015, met with the guys that at uh, Be Broken. They invited me to become part of their staff. And they said they had been looking for someone that could open the Southeast region back up for them again. My wife and I had been wanting to move to Florida. Got removed all kinds of roadblocks, including selling our house that hadn't happened for two and a half years. It sold in three months and mm. to Florida we came. And in 2015, I uh, stepped uh, uh, full time into this ministry to help other men who've been through the very path that God had saved me from and walked our family from. So uh, it's that, believe it or not, that's a Reader's Digest version. There's a lot more in there. <laughs> All right. We had a daughter who was fighting her for her life with an eating disorder in the midst of us trying to recover, and we're fighting that battle with her. Um, that was actually a godsend mm. because it caused my wife and I to focus together on her instead of me on myself. It, okay. It, it, God's sovereignty. So, and now it's a privilege. Uh, God has given me this privilege because a privilege I get to sit here with a, with uh, Mike Sandlin today and simply do what God has told me to do. You just gave me the privilege to do that, and that's to tell the, the story of what he has done for us, for this Amen. family. And, and, and what a story it is. God's truly using you. There's no doubt in my mind in that. Uh, uh, you and I had some good conversations down in Lakeland, Florida, a few years ago when we first met and I knew God was, God was using your mighty and he's still using your mighty only today. Let me ask you a question in your testimony. You made a, you made an allusion to it. And I just wanted to kind of follow up on that a little bit. You know, you were at a Christian concert and uh, which meant you had some kind of, uh, 
uh, Christian influence in your life before uh, your acceptance of Christ? Were you a regular attender? Were you in church every Sunday? Were you and your family there every Sunday before that uh, true acceptance of Jesus Christ? Uh, yeah, actually, there was a period of time after I graduated high school for probably two and a half to three years. I was pretty absent from the church. Mm -hmm. uh, but after we got married, that was a, a, something that was a priority to my wife. I didn't disagree with her. That there was enough of that upbringing that saw the value in it, even though I was still living in complete rebellion. Mm -hmm. um, but we got engaged in the church again, the same church I grew up in. Um, and my wife and I were serving. I was actually on the, uh, they called it a church council in this organization. So an elder board, if you will. We were serving with, uh, I was serving in the, the tech production team. She was teaching with and serving in the kids, which she absolutely adores kids, and kids seem to just love her. Uh, it's a crazy gift she has. So we were very active in our church. The whole time I was, that's part of the dual, the dual lifestyle or the image building that I was living. Right up till the day everything came unglued, I was serving actively in the church. Mm -hmm. Well, good. And the reason why I ask that is because it's one of the things that in men's ministry we see a lot. And, mm -hmm. and it's one of the things that uh, God spoke to me when he pulled me into men's ministry uh, years ago was the fact we have so many men in our churches today that are just going through the motions. And uh, and I speak to that. I've, I've got a book that's coming out later this summer, and, and mm. it's, it's it speaks into one, one of the chapters speaks about the fact that so many of our men in our churches today are there just because whatever their just because mm. reason might be, and it's not because they have a true solid relationship with Jesus Christ. They're active in their church. They're doing a lot of things in their church, but one of these days when Jesus calls them home or He comes and gather His bride together, He's going to look at those individual folks and say, "I never." knew you. And, uh, and that comes right straight out of chapter seven of Matthew, mm -hmm. particularly verse 23. And yep. so at any rate, uh, I, I just want to just kind of step on that, help guys to understand, hopefully they're, they do know Christ, but uh, be careful about just going to church and, and going through the motions and playing agreement. There's a, there's a significant reason that you need to be able to really have that intentional relationship with Jesus yeah. Christ. Yeah. Well, Dan, tell us about Be Broken. You say you uh, got, got involved and in, uh, got called into Be Broken Ministries. I think you said 2015, somewhere along there. Uh, tell us about Be Broken. What is Be Broken Ministries all about? Well, Be Broken Ministries was founded by uh, a good friend and and uh, uh, now my boss, uh, Jonathan Doherty, um, just a, a wonderful guy. And it was it was birthed out of his own deep, profound brokenness, uh, a man who was also suicidal. Um, but God launched him into ministry over 17 years ago. And uh, now I have the privilege to serve alongside Jonathan. And we knew this was a partnership uh, made, so to speak, in heaven. Uh, when I got to know him, he said, that's what God told him. He said, Jonathan, mm -hmm. go tell your story. Mm -hmm. The same exact words he heard, I heard, uh, and stepped into be broken. So the privilege I, the, that I have now is so often God will take our own mess of our life, restore it, and then turn it into our message that our call to ministry is so often broken out of, or born, I should say, out of the most profound brokenness of our own lives. And the idea to serve it be broken was a natural 
byproduct of that that coming to faith. So what Be Broken does, Be Broken Ministry serves men, women, and families mm. uh, by yeah. helping by helping them rediscover and heal their their relate their sexual identity and health in a relationship with Christ. And then we help equip others to do the same. Um, so that's kind of our core to help men, women, and families redeem their sexual identity, their wholeness in Christ and help others do the same. My part at, with gateway to freedom as a director is to work day by day, one-on-one -on -one, uh, with men who are struggling with the same area of sexual brokenness that I, I walk through and God used that gift of the recovery to help other guys. We do this with the three-day workshop, the Gateway to Freedom we talked about. I do a significant amount of one-on-one -on -one mentoring and recovery coaching. Um, but our the entire being of Be Broken is about helping those who are wounded by sexual brokenness find a place to be safe to tell their story to not be met with any more shame and guilt because we've all had enough of that port in our lap. Oh yeah. Oh, right? Yeah. right. Not just we in second, not just a second charity, just in, just in a oh, lot of areas. In life, in life. <laughs> right. You know, the, but our yeah. sexual brokenness has a, a, sometimes has a very extra tender spot mm -hmm. for many because it's things that's been done to done to them. That's part of their brokenness. The majority of, of men, not all, but the majority, and this is not to excuse their poor choices, have been wounded themselves, and, and that's where their brokenness comes from. See, it's okay to say we're be broken. That's where People ask that question all the time. Where does be broken come from? If you read in the Psalms, it talks about, uh, so many times, talks about a, a broken and contrite heart. That's how we find healing, and that's where we meet Christ. That's where we meet our Savior, is when we have a broken and contrite heart. So part of it is admitting it's okay to be broken. It's in the midst of our brokenness that we have the opportunity to meet the Redeemer and the, and the, the potter of that clay so he can restore the brokenness. Christ is about healing brokenness um, and be broken has been around for 17 years. So we've got our part of it that we do the three day intensive mm -hmm. for men. They come for now, three now days. Is that done, I was going to say, is that done live or is that done uh, on a virtual platform or is it both? How's, how's that done? That's a great question. Uh, it's always been in person, in person, okay. face to face. And what's stunning, um, Mike is even th through COVID, not one of our workshops that was scheduled was out and outright canceled, even wow. through 2020. Wow. We had to reschedule two of them, and the number of men that came were typically a little less than half the normal, but not one of them was missed. And we've had over 1,400 guys in the years of our workshop come through from every walk of life, from outside of the U.S. borders. We've had them come from South Africa, Canada, uh, Brazil, Mexico, uh, the U.S. Virgin Islands. And uh, so we hold them in person, Texas and Florida. Uh, we do, uh, right now, they're 12, uh, 12 a year. We just had a, a, a new partnership established with an organization called TFC Global. 
mm-hmm. and we were partnering with them to launch uh, in in cooperation partnership Gateway to Freedom workshops in Pennsylvania. So we're adding Pennsylvania to the list of places we do workshops, but TFC Global is the organizer of those. Um, and the workshops involve uh, counselors, licensed, trained counselors with decades of experience working with men in, in this very specific area. Uh, and the, part of the beauty of any ministry who works this way, if you have a staff that's not only understands and educated on the topic, but they've all got their own journey they walk through, they can now relate to these men, women, and families in a very real way because we know what it's like to walk in the shoes of that man who's struggling and might be listening today or of that wife who's the wife of the man who's struggling our wives care program our director there she's been that wife on the other side so our entire ministry team has not only been down the road of brokenness now we're serving from it Well, that's interesting. When I look at the website, you're talking about your entire wife and team and so forth. When I look at the website, I see that your wife is also listed as uh, kind of one of the uh, beliefs is uh, your your admin assistant, so to speak. So yeah. essentially, she's, she's your boss, really. <laughs> she really is. Yeah, that's what keeps me together. <laughs> so good. Yeah. Well, tell how how serious is this sexual integrity issue and i'll just call it that and it could be many different things it could be guys just just struggling with the uh, temptation it could be guys that are actually actively involved but uh, how serious is this issue i'll just start with the church let's just narrow it down to the church how, how serious is it within the church right now i'll uh, i i believe i can share this without giving away any confidentiality currently um i'm uh, mentoring or recovery coaching for pastors, okay. myself. Um, we have an average of one to two pastors that are attending our three-day intensives uh, per month. So if that's a little bit of evidence how much the church is struggling, um, that's what's happening in our churches. And is that to demean pastors? Heavens, no. No, no. They're, Not I mean, at all. They're, 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 they're a fallen human being just like the rest of us. They've just yeah. been called into a particular ministry. Just yeah. like all of yeah. us. All of us have been called into something. That's right. A Christian, so. And if you're a pastor, the target on your back is just a tad bit bigger. Right. Than right. those sitting in the congregation. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the Barna study that was done in cooperation with, with Covenant Eyes a number of years ago, indicated that between 65 and 70% of professing Christian men in the church today have some sort of degree of battle with pornography. And that study was done uh, close to three years ago now, so I'm sure it has not gotten any better. And as you so rightly pointed to, Mike, our, our year of the profoundest impact in 2020 with shutdown and lock-in and everything else, for a lot of men who were right on the edge of hanging on by a thread, mm-hmm. that was that isolation pushed, pushed them right over the top. Yeah. And those who were, were already struggling, it just compounded the problem. Um, you're right. As you said, Mike, we're all cut from the same uh, sin-sick flesh. Mm-hmm. That even in relationship with Christ, that sin-sick flesh doesn't want to give up its fight. 
And I, I'll, I'll, I'll stop with this to, to leave it, uh, put it back in your hands is so many men question, how can I call myself a Christian and yet struggle with this? And they doubt their salvation. Now, I can't read the heart and the mind of every man I visit with, let alone an audience I can't see. Right. But here's what I believe. If there's a struggle in a man's heart that says, I know God doesn't want me to do this. I know this is sinful. I want out, and I just don't know how. To me, that's evidence to some degree the Holy Spirit is at work in their life. Mm -hmm. And just as Paul wrote, why do I do the things I hate and I don't do the things I know I want to or I should? That speaks of the Apostle Paul who was struggling with something. He doesn't call it sin, but I think it's fair to say he's struggling with something he doesn't like in his own behavior. Mm -hmm. So if the Apostle Paul struggles, who am I as a Christian man to think I'm not going to? And I think that's why we have the lesson of the prodigal son. He was still a son of that wealthy man. He was just a son that ran off. And his father was waiting for him to come back. And I, it, it's, it's possible that I was that son, and I just didn't recognize my faith or what it, does, uh, what it, what it was. But I know how much my life changed in, in 2004 after that confession. And the number, I know we're speaking to an audience of men, but unfortunately the number of women who are struggling, that number is climbing too. Yeah, I've seen I've seen those numbers, and and even this past year, uh, those numbers have dramatically increased in the lives of women too. It's it's just amazing. You know, the, the thing, interesting thing is, you talk about uh, uh, men talking about. I've heard a lot of people uh, when they when they finally open up, they they get some bad castle in in so many ways when they finally open up sometimes mm -hmm. because of the the. The, the guilt is so tremendous on them and they've got to release it to somebody. And sometimes I've heard that people just say, stop it. Just don't go to those sites, you know, or they'll give them the scripture that you see in first Corinthians 10, 13, where, where uh, it tells us about temptation. You know, there's no temptation that's overtaken us because will always give us a way of escape. You know, he's giving you a way of escape. So take the escape. That's not as easy done as uh, as people like to make it out, and we need to have those men uh, mm -hmm. walking alongside us to to help us to identify. And you made a comment earlier that I wrote the word down: triggers uh, to identify the triggers in our life that causes us to either either um, uh, start experiencing uh, temptation or actually succumb to the temptation. Yeah. And, and, and men need other men in their lives to help us to walk through the various sure. issues. What, do, what, what would you have to say about that? Encourage men in that area. Well, I'll start with this. It's a simple statement, but I believe it's profoundly true. The opposite of addiction is not sobriety. It's connection or mm -hmm. the better word is community. Mm -hmm. Because of what you just said, um, God looked at Adam in the in the garden and said, "You know, it's really I'm really paraphrasing. It's not good that this guy's by himself." Right. And he brought Eve. Now I think that's that's for the clearly he's talking about marriage, but he's also talking about relationship, about community, mm -hmm. and that's affirmed for us 
in uh, the scriptures that talks about uh, it may be James. I'm really good at remembering scripture. I'm not always great at remembering which book it came from, right? Uh, <laughs> but we're told that brothers are born for adversity. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, from Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so one man or person sharpens another. That tells us that we're made to fight and live in community. Yep. And isolation is a most dangerous place for a man in addiction to live and fight from. We're not meant to do that. We're not meant to fight there. If if I could simply tell guys to just stop it, I'd be out of a job in about six months. <laughs> right? But let's let's look at the redemption process. Redemption, Christ said it is finished. He did the finished work, but for you and I, sanctification takes a lifetime. Yes, it does. It takes a lifetime. It does. Right? My journey out of sexual bondage didn't happen in an instant. God used other men who he put in my life as safe people. You talked about, I don't want to, the the guilt and the shame is so overwhelming for men. And I get it. All you want to do is hide the lies that we believe that nobody else is like this. If if they find out what I've done, where I've been, what I've said, there's no way. That's all lies straight from the pit of hell to keep men trapped. And this journey that I found myself in, took 32 years or 30 years rather to get that deep to get that deep in my mess took 30 years it's not going to take five minutes to come out of it and i can't do it alone so by god's design i believe he says yes i can set you free but i'm going to choose to do it this way who men you can trust who are following me who love me more than they love you, and they're going to be honest with you. They're not going to shame you. They're not going to guilt you. They're going to hold you accountable. But that accountability is going to point you up to who you are in Christ Jesus. It's not going to point you to your mistakes as your identity. The identity that we're given in Christ, that is one of, in my opinion, one of the primary targets of Satan's desire to steal, kill, and destroy. If he can get a Christian man to believe his identity is his mistakes, that man is in deep water. And sometimes we need other men to step in, reach an arm down, a hand down to us in the mess, and say, I'm with you. Let's, let's come out of this together. See, in Christ, we're given a new eternal identity. We're called adopted, beloved sons of the Most High God. That's our identity. That's who we are. That's who you and I are, Mike. We can build a life on that truth, but Satan and our addictiveness wants to beat that identity right out of us to get us to look in the mirror and say, you are not worthy of being loved by anyone, let alone God. But when we as men come alongside each other and say, I know, it's okay. I don't care about your mess. I'll step into your mess with you. That's where Christ shows up. And that's where you and I begin to have the greatest chance to walk into healing and freedom. 
And that's really about what men's ministry is. It's stepping into men's messes with them and walking out <laughs> together, right? Because guess what? My mess isn't any cleaner than yours. Uh, you got that right. I guarantee you. I guarantee you we began to open up. But the thing is, is that we need to understand as men that we need to start not being afraid to open up to each other. We need to have that right. one man in our life or maybe two men in our life that we know that we can call at 2 o'clock in the morning and be able to uh, share a struggle that we have going on in ourselves. Right. Uh, now, you mentioned um, uh, Proverbs 27, 17, is iron sharpens iron, so is one man sharpening another. There's another verse, uh, a couple of verses, actually, that I like to use a lot of time to help men to understand that it's scriptural for us to have men in our lives. And that comes out of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Well, it tells us that two, two, two is better than one because they have a, a greater return on their labor. For if one falls down... Mm -hmm. There's another there to lift him up and woe to the man who doesn't have somebody to lift him up. That's a little bit of a paraphrase, but that's what it's talking about. Right. The importance of us having a man in our life. We're coming up on our time here, uh, Dan, and I, I want us to talk a little bit more about uh, what can churches do to help their members out, to be able to get to the point where the churches can, can tell their people, we understand these sexual integrity struggles and what can they do to help men and women to be able to open up or seek that help uh, that they may need to be able to work through these issues. And I will give you a few minutes to be able to talk about that. Well, I appreciate that. I'll do the best I can with that. And I'm going to start with step two. <laughs> okay. We're going, <laughs> we're going nonlinear for a moment is if, if you are a man that, that is hearing this, whether it's live or later, and, and you have a, a, a church home, and you've been through this struggle, or you're going through it, and you're discovering victory, it would be my respectful challenge to you to go to your senior pastor and say, hey, I would like you to know that if you have a man that comes to you and shares that he's struggling and needs somebody, here's my story, and I'm willing to help. Mm -hmm. Because that pastor is part, you know, I'm going back to step one, most pastors that hear these stories and have these men come to them, they are so overwhelmed with that. They, part of it is, I don't have the time. This is all I'd be potentially doing if that gets opened. Um, many of them don't know what to do with it. And that's not an insult to pastors. I don't know that seminaries of every pastor I've talked to give them any kind of index in-depth preparation for how to deal with men's sexual brokenness. Mm -hmm. uh, so to the pastors, I would say, we hear you. We know this is difficult. Um, we don't want to do your job for you, but we are happy to help you begin to have those conversations. And if you don't know how uh, or, or you're afraid to, then let us come alongside. Our ministries and many others are, are equipped to step in alongside a church and help them begin that dialogue. Here's what I believe is true about churches and this brokenness and how to confront it. There are many pastors who know it's a real problem. And I'm taking an educated guess here, Mike. So pastors may push back and, and disagree with me. And if they do, I'm not going to argue with them. But it's, it's based on some educational observation. They're almost afraid to say anything for the pulpit, for the floodgates being opened, 
And now what do I do with all these men and couples coming through my doors? Yep. And I, I would say to those pastors, let us as organizations like Be Broken and many others that we partner with, let us help you carry that weight to equip the flock to do the ministering and not expect you as a pastor to do it all. The church and its body is supposed to be ministering to one another. Right. right. So we need to encourage and give our pastors permission to talk about this and then be willing to step up as men and as churches to do the ministering that we're called to do. I'm not sure if that's the answer that best fits today, but it's what's in my heart, Mike, is we as the body of Christ are expecting too much of our pastors, especially when it comes to the area of sexual brokenness. Guys like me should be part of the solution, not just a cheering squad. We should be getting out of the out of the bench in the stands and stepping down onto the field in the game with our pastors, praying for them, supporting them, and offering to help. Absolutely. And and the key to that is creating an environment where it's safe, where men and women feel safe to come forward and say, I'm struggling and I need help. That's the first thing, in my opinion, churches need to do is to intentionally create an environment where people feel safe to say, I need help. If that's not there, nobody's going to say a word or they will go somewhere else. And then people Dan, suffer I, I, in silence. I'm sorry. Yeah, Dan, no, 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 that's fine. Dan, I, I didn't ask you this before we came on, but I'm, I'm going to kind of put you on the spot here if you don't mind. I'm just feeling the, the, the movement of the Holy Spirit here with a number of things that you're saying. I was just wondering if you would be kind enough to say a quick prayer over those who may be listening to this uh, conversation or may be listening to it in the future mm -hmm. as, be, as it will be pushed out on the various social media sites uh, for people who are struggling right now. If you would just lead us in that as we begin to, to close mm -hmm. out our time together, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, what a, I'd be honored. Thank you. Father, you um, knew before Mike and I even formed the idea of meeting today who was going to be sitting here this afternoon listening to this message. I'm praying now for any man who hears it now, has heard it, or will listen later, who for them this is a real painful, scary struggle. They don't know where to turn, who they can trust, who they can talk to. Father, let them know that, first of all, they are not alone because you are with them and are aware. Give them the courage to reach out and say the three most difficult words that for, for men are, are, are hard to say, I need help. Give them the courage, lead them to a safe place and remind them, I remind them the truth of scripture that their sin, what they have done, their brokenness, their poor choices is not beyond the reach of your grace. The power of your grace is what raised Christ from the dead through the work of the Holy Spirit. And it's that grace that gives us the freedom through faith in Christ to be called children of God. Freedom is possible. The journey is hard. But you are willing and able to help those men who are listening today. Encourage them to reach out to us. It'd be broken. If that's too scary to reach out, 
to a pastor. Find a trusted friend that would be the equivalent of Nathan to King David mm. and to say, I need help. I don't know what to do. Confess your sins so that you may be healed and we can confess them to one another. Bring that darkness into the light where Jesus does his perfect mm. work. Father, I pray that they hear this today. They hear your words through our mouths and that the bondage that holds them can no longer hold them. They can step into the light of Christ that snaps those chains in half. Uh, today, be courageous. It is courageous to ask for help. Give the men listening, and that will hear this, the courage to reach out today for your glory, Father, trusting in you to do that work that only you can do. And it's in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Dan. Dan, I appreciate you being with us today. We got your uh, bebroken.com there on the website there that uh, people can reach out to. And, and your email, if anybody wants to reach out to you, is right there, Dan at bebroken.com. I, we keep things simple. No need to complicate it. All right? for, and for right now, I'm the only Dan at the ministry. So, <laughs> so that'll be real simple then. Huh? Even if they call the, uh, go on the website, find out the com- uh, the uh, uh, ministry number and call, just say, I want to speak to Dan. They should get to you, right? <laughs> they will. Yep. And uh, my extension for anybody who's got a pen is 106, and that'll come directly to me. Oh, okay. Well, good. Good. I wish I had had that earlier. I'd have thrown that up on the screen too, but that's no, okay. No but problem. I do appreciate, I do appreciate you being with us today. We, we uh, had a great and frank discussion. It, it, it was really good. And I appreciate your prayer that you uh, shared with the guys there a few minutes ago. Well, Cape Fear Men uh, is a, is a 501c3 organization that sponsors these podcasts. And, and I do appreciate uh, all of you listening to us. If you want to know more about what we do, uh, you know, Cape Fear Men, you can email us at kfearmen at gmail.com. That's just a, just a general generic email that you can just send to us, and, and we'd be glad to reach out to you. Um, so if you want to know more about us, just reach out there at kfearmen at gmail.com, and I will personally respond to you. And so you'll, you'll, you'll get something back from me in that area. And so if we are, are going to close out here now. And Dan, once again, I appreciate you being here. I hope you'll come back and join us again once you get to Texas, move into Texas. And uh, and we'll have you back on it sometime later on, maybe this year or so forth. And, and uh, great to have. Everybody, I appreciate you being with us. Thank you for being with, with us today on Intentional Conversations. Join us next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike Stanley. Goodbye.